He sits up and looks right at me. He goes, he goes, Dan, he goes, that was the nicest beating I have ever received. <laughs> Please enjoy the show. This is the Nothing Important Podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is not Jeff, but Dave. Dave, how's it going? Hi, not Jeff, but Brian. (laughs) Dave and I also host It's All Good, Man, the Better. Better Call Saul podcast. You can find that at itsallgoodman.com. You can find that on iTunes, and you might want to check that out because Better Call Saul is starting back up April 10th, so it's a little bit of a wait this time dave but uh it's coming slowly but surely well that's awesome because that's more time for us to get some of the cast members back on absolutely and speaking of cast members we most recently spoke with uh michael mckean who's a legend in many facets but he also plays chuck mcgill on better call saul so you might want to head over to it's all goodman and uh, check out our interview with him on the third mic is not dave but jeff jeff how's it going my friend i'm not always here Despite popular opinion. That's tr- <laughs> that is true. Uh, you weren't here a couple weeks ago when we spoke to uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Colt Cabana. No, who, I did. Uh, I, I got to listen to that afterwards. Uh, just like a regular, regular old folk. <laughs> yeah. So I'm no, sorry I missed uh, that, though. Can I, can I tell you something? It, can I tell you something? Go ahead. That yeah. Colt Cabana interview is the first time that somebody on like one of my Facebook friends messaged me and said that was a good interview with guest x like oh, of all really? the interviews well, we've yeah. done that was the first time somebody was so it was like hey that was a dope interview with Cole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, you're I learning mean, i mean there's there's something to be said i guess as far as uh as colt goes because uh i did ask him to be on the show and to do a phoner and he's like fuck that uh i'm coming over and that's exactly <laughs> what he did <laughs> so it's and, about uh, those fans, he, you know. Those fans are they're yeah, hardcore. Very first off, he he was a super nice dude, and uh, I ended up actually having to apologize to him because he, he was there for an hour, and I was trying to respect his time. And Dave let me know that it might have seemed as if I sh- ushered him out the door when he was done, <laughs> so I had to write him and tell him um, I don't think I was like that, but. It, Dave tells me that, I, and my wife tells me that I might have been, so please do not take uh, offense to that. I, I did not usher you out the door. I'm like, in fact, uh, I now consider you a homie of the podcast, and I hope you come back on. And uh, it after going back and forth with him a few times, it looks like he may very well be joining us on some of our uh, Better Call Saul, It's All Good Men podcast. Oh, nice. should be hilarious. Very nice. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to support Colt. I believe he's uh, actually uh, in Europe right now wrestling but when he comes back to the uh to the city to the chicago area my wife and i and hopefully dave and uh jeff maybe you can make a trip up we're all gonna go uh cheer him on on one of his matches and it should be a good time yeah that that sounds cool it'll be my first Uh, uh, wrestling match ever yeah (laughs) it'll be awesome it'll be a good time 
So, and then uh, enough rambling. Also, we've talked to Mike Rowe and a ton of other people. Please make sure to check that out at nothingimportantpodcast.com and subscribe to us on iTunes. I'm pretty excited because uh, today we have a return of Dan the Beast Severin. And Dan was actually one of the first uh, named people to grant us an interview like two years ago now, Dave. Yeah, that was uh, it was definitely one of our earlier attempts at this whole shenanigans that we're doing. And he was very gracious and rescheduled a bunch of times. And once it finally came together, it came together. And my favorite comment yeah. was because uh, it was always from the start. We wanted 15 minutes, you know, keep it short mm-hmm. and sweet. And then he said, well, you'll be lucky to get me off the phone in half an hour. And I thought that was pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, it, and it was it was very true because uh, Dan um, Dan has a lot of stories to tell. He's been around the world. He's wrestled, pro-wrestled. He's fought, uh, MMA pioneer. So if anybody has uh, stories to tell, it's uh, Dan the B-Severn. And we're happy we're going to be calling him shortly. And uh, hopefully it works out this time. But in the meantime, gentlemen, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, depending on, uh, when Dave gets his stuff together, we should have also, uh, our chat up with Rick Astley. And yes, it's that Rick Astley, which was super exciting as well. Well, by the time you hear this, the chat with Rick Astley will be up because that is the order of release. But yes, I apologize. <laughs> this is like the pre-taped call-in show. So if you're listening last week, I apologize. I was sick. I got a pretty bad sinus infection. <laughs> So the Rick Astley interview was delayed by a couple days, but it's seeming to be we're getting them up by Wednesdays, and that's kind of like hump day is a pretty good day to put out a podcast, I guess. Yeah, right on. And uh, I only bring that up because that is the last time that I actually spoke to both of you. It is. Yeah. It's been a glorious week ever since. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably probably been nice and quiet for you guys. I haven't been texting you so much, but uh, I've been busy at it at work, and I – Last weekend, got to witness history, my friends. I had tickets from my senator to go witness the majesty of the Donald Trump inauguration, and it was everything I expected it to be. (laughs) That uh, leads to question, what did you expect it to be? Uh, Well, uh, first off, I think I've been pretty clear about this on the podcast. I make no bones about it. Like, uh, I would probably be more of a right centered person, but I've also said several times, um, politics kind of really bore me. And I think it, instantly when people start talking politics, all I could think is like, uh, uh, this guy's talking out of his ass or he's a know-it-all. Like that's the only way I see <laughs> politics. So it was, it was super interesting going there. Cause, uh, me nor my wife consider us any member of any political party, but we're there for the experience, right? Like that's a cool thing as an American to get actual, not have to stand at the mall, but like, you know, actually get to be up front, you know, and see the president inaugurated. That's a cool thing. You know, that's why you have to ask your Senator for tickets. And we, we were lucky enough to get polled and yeah, it was, it was really yeah. interesting because um, we're walking through Washington DC and what happens is they create like a green zone where no vehicles or people and you have to go through security to get inside the green zone. So unless they're hybrids, right? What's that? Yeah. Unless they're hybrids. (laughs) Bravo. Bravo. Um, The people milling around everywhere had to go through security and such. So it was cool because you could walk that whole national mall area and just wander freely because there was hardly anybody there. Except for there was one lady carrying 
a, a flag with Donald Trump's face on it. And she ended up waving it in front of this uh, rather unbathed looking gentleman <laughs> who was holding a sign up that says uh, Fasc- fascism doesn't equal freedom or something, you know, something totally lame and unclear right. like that. Yeah. And now you would think being at the Donald Trump inauguration that people would rally behind this woman holding the flag and that the uh, unbathed dude would have like his little buddies with him, like crying like pussies. Right. Right. But no, that's not, sure. <laughs> that's not what happened. What happened was pretty much everybody just kind of watched these two idiots yell at each other. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So like the general consensus was, uh, you both look like fucking morons. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. So we, uh, we got tickets to a ball. I met Buzz Aldrin. Cool. The nice. astronaut. And uh, I don't think Buzz Aldrin knows where he's at anymore. <laughs> I don't think he has any clue <laughs> that he's, he's on Earth, no less that he ever stepped foot on the moon. So have you seen the episode of 30 Rock with him in it? <laughs> no. When he's yelling at the moon? <laughs> I guess that's not too far from the truth. <laughs> well, that was actually but, not even scripted. That was just him <laughs> on set. They were, they were actually cut at that point, but some, yeah. for some reason. Right. And it, was, <laughs> it was all cell phone it wasn't even, footage. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's an American hero, you know, stepped yeah, out of the moon and all that. I mean, I, I take nothing away from the man, but he, he is getting up there, and it, it unfortunately and sadly, it started to show just a bit. So that was really cool. And uh, then Geraldo Rivera... Uh, ran into my wife. He was trying to rush through the crowd, and uh, I think his mustache is about as wide as he is tall because he is a short, <laughs> short man. It's like cat <laughs> whiskers. Whatever his mustache fits through, he can fit through. And this is this is how I know he was he was a super short man, and this is why I'm happy. I'm a gentleman of at least six foot tall, right? So we're walking out to go home because our, the ball that we attended was the night before the inauguration. Uh-huh. So we're walking out. And Geraldo Rivera comes boring through the crowd because the people are, you know, I mean, he's like any famous person, probably doesn't want to be bothered. Plus, he's probably working 24-7 because he's at the fucking inauguration. Right. So right. he's flying through the crowd, and people are like, Geraldo, Geraldo, Geraldo. And he runs into my wife, says, I'm sorry. And then by about the time that we realized that that was actually Geraldo, he just like disappeared into a sea of people who are at least a head taller than he was. <laughs> it was like... It was much like when a dog runs through a wheat field <laughs> and you can just kind of see the, so you the could movement, just, but you can't see the dog. You could just see his mustache rise above the wheat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like a random flock of birds flew away mm-hmm. yeah. as, he, as he crossed their path. So that's that's uh, <laughs> that's what happened. Um, but overall, I, I expect a lot more like, uh, like, yeah, Donald Trump type people and a lot more uh, pussies just complaining about stuff because that's just what pussies do. And really, it was really subdued. I think most people kind of understood that they were just kind of, you know, above and beyond anything. It's an American institution, and they were there kind of witnessed that. And some of the things that I found most notable was, of course, Hillary Clinton got huge boos, but uh, nothing compared to the boos of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Uh, But what surprised me on the other side of it, too, was when they announced Barack Obama, I was curious as to how that was going to go, because when Barack Obama got inaugurated the first time, people booed George Bush. But when they um, announced Barack Obama, 
it was actually very respectful. There was there was no booze, you know, and it was a very respectful, like not really a golf clap, but like, uh, hey, we get it. That guy was the president. You got to respect that kind of thing, which was nice to see because I really get sick and tired of every president being Hitler. Like that kind of right. gets old after a yeah, while. Absolutely. Yeah. So it it was nice to see people be respectful to the outgoing president. Uh, one funny thing is, do you gentlemen know who Dan Quayle is? Absolutely. Did- yeah, tomato, tomato. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it was potato, potato. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I always either mix up who said it or what he said. <laughs> and um, I'm glad you guys remember who he was because apparently no one did. Because <laughs> <laughs> they announced, like, George, like when they announced Barack Obama, you know, the, the like the 44th president of the United States, the honorable president Barack Obama. And everybody's like, yay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was similar for every past president and vice president that came through, except for uh, Dan Quayle. Because <laughs> people are like, they announced the number whatever vice president, Dan Quayle. And there was just like a murmur through the crowd, like, who? Like, who's that guy? <laughs> the guy was vice it, it was like in the movies because like you could hear clapping, but it was like the faint off in the distance. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, I guess this guy was vice president. Like, uh, cool. You know, the guy yeah, that can't dude. spell. Come on. Right. That's the only thing anybody <laughs> knows about him. That's the only thing. And then it was even better because you had to hear people explain to other people in the crowd who Dan Quayle was. Like, I don't I can't even think. <laughs> well, was that's... he Clinton's vice president or was he Bush Sr.'s vice president? He was Bush he Sr.'s was the, uh... vice president. Yeah, yeah, the elder Bush's vice president. And yeah, <laughs> he also is the one who, uh, what was it, Murphy Brown? Because she got pregnant on her show, can't or like the character Murphy Brown, and he made a big freaking deal about it, and <laughs> everyone was just kind of like, "All right, whatever." What like they, Shut they up, Dan she like, she actually got pregnant on the show, like she well, had like the, sex the on character the show. Murphy Brown was a single woman, oh. <laughs> a single older woman who. Ended I was going to say pregnant. how was how was the food orgy in Murphy Brown was that? <laughs> subpar. I found it subpar. <laughs> not not the best food orgy I've ever seen. <laughs> I imagine back then people were like, um, "Shut up." Dan Quayle, when Donald Trump gets inaugurated president, nobody will even know who the fuck you were. <laughs> I think that's probably what said one what guy happened. from the future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even even uh, even George W. Bush got a very respectful applaud. <laughs> you know well, George mean? W. is still the greatest president we ever had. <laughs> uh, and I will say this: uh, uh, obviously, everybody heard Donald Trump's speech, his inaugural speech. And regardless of what you think of the man, I think you can sum up his inaugural speech by describing it as such. Uh, he pretty much said, you guys are dicks, <laughs> and now I'm in charge, right? Like, that's pretty much what he said. I don't like, know. You guys I didn't dicks. hear the speech. Yeah, he pretty much, to their face, uh, kind of took everybody on in 16 minutes and basically said, uh, it, to paraphrase, it was, uh, you guys have pretty much looked out for your own self-interest, and that bullshit stops now. So who knows how his presidency is going to go, but that is what he said to the world, pretty much. Look it up, because when when we were in the audience, you know how they look for applause lines? You know, every president's speech has an applause line where they pause because they want everybody to cheer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Go back, Go back and watch Donald Trump's inauguration speech, because it's very obvious where he thinks the applause lines are going to be. And he pauses and you can hear um, 
faint applause and cheers in the background, but that's be, not because people weren't applauding. It's because, uh, and I was standing actually next to a big group of uh, Clinton uh, supporters. Um, it's because people couldn't believe that he said that being as his inauguration speech in front of their face. Huh? Like, he, like really? Like in the cr- yeah, like as we were standing there, like when he first uh, made the accusation, you know, he told him like, uh, you know, uh, he basically said, you know, uh, for decades, you know, we've been spending money overseas and not looking after our own interest. And, the, you know, the victories of Washington haven't been the victories of the American people. Um, and, of course, I'm paraphrasing because I don't know it off the top of my head. But uh, it, it was such a moment where literally you could feel in the crowd and hear people be like, Holy shit! I can't believe somebody's saying that to their face. Huh. Like, like you know, like everybody was was kung fu fighting. like whole. Yeah, everybody was kung fu. It, it was very quick, almost almost as as fast as lightning. Wow! It was. Uh, it was. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It was it was pretty frightening. And, uh, they had a lot of expert timing. It, it was amazing. Uh, so overall, <laughs> overall, um, overall presidential inauguration, man. If you guys ever get a chance to go, I, I would say regardless of who. Who the president is, you guys should absolutely go. Well, I'll keep yeah. that in mind in four years when. Uh... Never no, mind. And real quick, we were also an oddity at the ball that we went to because uh, people, of course, asked, like, did you vote for Trump? I mean, we were like, no. Are you guys Republicans? And we're like, <laughs> no. And then, and then they're like, "Are you guys Democrats?" Or like, fuck no. <laughs> like, and like, so like, we became this oddity that people were like asking us like why we were there. Me and my wife were like, "We're we're just here for the party, man." Because yeah. <laughs> like, we we're, we're Americans. Party, so. We're just here to, yeah. for the open bar and to troll some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're gonna give Dan Severin a call. <laughs> <laughs> B. Severin has returned on the Nothing Important Podcast. Hey, welcome back, Dan. Hey. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Dan. Hello there, gentlemen. Dan, uh, Dan uh, Jeff wasn't with us um, last time that you were on the show, but he did say he thought he could kick your ass. Right, do you have a response to that? Well, <laughs> well, maybe after I have my next cup of coffee, I'll have a better response. That's fair. <laughs> no, Jeff is one of our... I'm, about 180 pounds soaking wet, so you know, no big deal. Stringy. <laughs> I, I, I tussled the, last night. I was tussling with the guy, probably three and a quarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, it's very great to have you back on the Nothing Important podcast, and uh, you are as busy as ever. And it's great to see that since we spoke to you last, you have not slowed down one bit. Uh, no, I have not. Matter of fact, uh, I, I think I must be I might be crazy for all the stuff I continue to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, I have a variety, and and, uh, and the, the, the cliche goes, uh, "Variety is the spice of life." I must be one of the spiciest guys in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you're you're writing books, you're creating rules, uh, and uh, are you gonna have another fight soon? No, well, I'll tell you what, that, that's. I, yeah, I, I don't have that crystal ball on that one. I, I would entertain um, 
thoughts, but only against just a few select individuals, and that would be of the older vintage, such as a uh, Shamrock or Hoist Gracie, but I don't even know if I'll give Shamrock another chance because of what all transpired just with the last outing. So, the pool is very small to select from anymore. Got, have you have you reached out to the Gracie camp and uh, and let them know of your interest of a second fight? Oh, sure. I reached out to their camp. I talked with Boyce's manager for probably 45 minutes, and he eloquently danced all around the issues. I finally got tired of the conversation. I just cut him off. I said, let me just bring this all to a head. Basically, what you're saying is not going to happen. <laughs> that's, that's not what I said there, Dan. I'm, and I cut him off again. I go, I know. That's not what you said. I took your uh, your, your your big old um, oh, what, what's the word I'm looking for right now? I'm looking for your, your, your uh, I, I know I just I condensed down what you said. Yeah, you wouldn't want to go all the way around the block. I'm just going to cut to the alley and basically say, it's just, you know, he and his lineage they have all too much to lose out of the whole deal. And to me, it's like going, you know, why don't you just speak the truth? And let's move on with life. <laughs> now, if if uh, if they came to you today and said, "Hey, let's let's fight," would you jump in on that? Well, <laughs> um, I, what part of this did you not understand? I, of course, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was I'm, I'm, I, I was under the impression that when you told them that they're basically backing out, that you shut the door on it. So I guess I was asking if. Uh, I don't know. I'm an idiot, Dan. I would, I would want at least a certain window of time of preparation. That's about the only thing I would build into clause. Uh, there, but, uh, you know, that, that'd be the only thing that would uh, take me uh, that I would want for it. You know, it's, uh, I live this way. Uh, you know, Father Time is the winner over uh, over all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how long did you stay in the game and how much fun did you have along the way? Well, it's, uh, Father Time has been kind to me compared to what I've seen the likes of uh, hoist in his last little outing there with uh, Ken, and I'm thinking, wow, if that's going to be the best that he can muster up, uh, it'll be a be a walk in the park for me. Now, why why do you feel that compared to some of your um, you know your uh, your peers, why why do you think you've you've stood the test of time? Why do you think like your body's held up so well? Uh, well, I'd say for uh, several reasons. Uh, first off, I'm lifetime chemical free. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of the men I've already talked about have, have tested positive on uh, uh-huh. more than one occasion. Matter of fact, out of the first three UFC Hall of Famers ever inducted, only one of us has never tested positive for anything. Huh. He's like, really? go out on a limb on that one? Nope, I guess, uh, I guess that's absolutely correct. And your training regimen... Uh, and I'll just to say that, but the only sauce I'll ever find on, on this guy might be a little spaghetti or pizza, and that'll be another. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think you know, uh, you know, being lifetime chemical free is one of the best, uh, lifestyle of choices. But then I knew what my strengths were walking into a fight game. I was walking and win matches playing loops of hats and being trying to think I'm 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 gonna be a boxer. My skill set is what mm-hmm. brought me to is what brought me to me. My grappling ability. You know, you, you know, in, in answering your question of you know why have I weathered the storm, I didn't try to be something I was not. 
I worked on my striking skills all the way, but there was no way my striking was ever going to catch up to my grappling ability. Just for the mathematical formula, uh, I started grappling in 1969, and I started my MMA career in you know, 1994. Uh, so the mathematical equation just never was ever going to balance on out, but I, I simply knew that I was going to try to learn how to strike enough to defend myself, not get hit, and move in and clinch bodies, take bodies down, or jam them up against cage wall, knowing that that would neutralize ninety-some percent of their ability. So to me, it's like those are just some of the different formulas I think that have served me well. You know, uh, and, but then also running the right type of uh, training programs. You know, a lot of these guys they they go balls to the wall each practice, and they're taking punishment in the practice. Or they're you know, getting hurt. They're taking cuts. Um, that's not what I did. So I guess uh, maybe I'll use this word called intelligence. Yeah, I was going to say you were smart about it. Well, no, I'm not, I am. I mean, literally, anyone that anyone anyone that has ever come to one of my seminars stuff like this, they're like, "Wow!" I mean, because it, it, I was actually I always felt my I'm a jock with a brain, which is eh, not all that common anymore. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, as I said. I want to know that I'm going to, when, when all this is done and I move on, which, I mean, that's, I, I just look at this way. I just continue to move on with, you know, do I even think about a fight game of me hopping in there or stuff like that? Not really. Because mm-hmm. it would take a very unique type of situation now that would even entice me. So I'll just kind of carry on in my other endeavors, but I will continue to train and do things for the rest of my life because your body is like an investment. Uh, if you don't put something into it, how do you ever expect to pull the dividends back out of it? Hmm. So I want to have quality of life all the way up until the end. So uh, my question is, because a lot of times uh, the argument is for people doing a lot of live sparring as such is to get used to getting punched and getting hit in the face. But you, <clears throat> you didn't do. I, mean, I, I would cut you off right there and say, what an asinine analogy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't care. You ask any striker, punt a boxer, the whole nine yards. I mean, to me, it's like getting hit sucks. You know, I would tell people that, you know, the the, uh, the, the mixed martial arts game, it, it is a very, it's a strategic chess match, physical chess match where checkmate is going to hurt. Hmm. So you don't think, uh, you don't think getting hit several times uh, gets you used to the sensation of taking hits? Um, on a low percentile, knowing that you are open, so you're aware of things. You know, mm-hmm. During my, my camps, I would throw things, but it'd be almost like a professional wrestler type punch, where they knew that they were touched, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh my God, I'm glad you did not hit me for real." That's interesting. But that's what I, you know, we would do. The only thing that I would say that that was a little bit more. Uh, not, not a little more, but what was more realistic would be the live submission grappling where you quickly get into positions, slowly apply pressures because different bodies, flexibility, things of that nature. You don't, you know, no one wants, come the following morning, everyone has to go back to work. I can't go back to work if my elbows all been tweaked out, my shoulders been tweaked out. I really <laughs> don't really like to go to work there if I got a big mouse over my eye or my, my nose got blast across my face. It, it's common sense knowing how to do things with percentiles. Even during my, my camps, 
I would be doing submission grappling with simulated striking. So you're grappling with submissions. You've got your MMA gloves on, but then you also you go hammer strike. But as you hammer strike them, you I will verbalize it and I'll bring it down on a touch, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, I did!" And they'd be like, "How open they were," huh. or form smash, or you go right into it. Well, again, back in the good old days, headbutt. Knee, knee to the groin. I grab your ear, and they're like, "What did you do?" I go, "I just broke basically. I just tore your ear off." Well, you can't do that. So open flare. Only two things I can't do to you is bite you and stick a finger in the eye. Other than that, I can dismantle you. (laughs) So, as somebody who kind of started off as a pioneer in uh, MMA with the the early UFC days and such, and seeing how it's evolved, are there any rules that are currently employed that you might get rid of or you might change? No, I mean, it's just, it's just yeah, you, once again, you have uh, just, you know, whether I'll say just bureaucrats, legislators, people that have never done the industry that are basically telling people how to do the industry. So I did just sit back and it, whatever it is, is, you know, that's just a new, this new chef in town, the new rule, you just have to abide by it and move away. I, I think eventually you'll see elbows will be taken out of, uh, Mixed martial arts as well because it's a very devastating tool. What about like a, you know, and I was having that conversation the other day too. I was thinking like a, like the the kick to the front of somebody's kneecap. Like uh, I, I always thought that they'd probably eventually ban that as well because if it's supposed to be a sport, uh, you know, the, you don't want to dismantle people and put them out for life. But then again, the name of the game is fighting. Right. Well, again, that's where you look at uh, when you, when when you when you look at all the pugilistic arts. You know, everyone says that they're fights. Well, not really. I look upon them; they're all just different forms of of competition. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at boxing, you know, they say, "Well, that's what when the hell of a fight." So, well, okay, I, I guess you can technically call it a fight, but you're, you know, the match uh, you cannot clinch. Right, they fall down to the ground. You have to stay, you stand right back up, same way for we tie. There's no clinching. Uh, Luffy parts you. And there's those taking on down aspects of it. You know, the, the closest, the closest any of the pugilistic art ever got to uh, an actual fight was in the early days of the UFC with the two rules. You know, that was the closest they were ever going to come because there were no weight classes. There were no time periods. It was bare knuckled action, and you had a lot of styles uh, versus each other. You'd have a karate guy going against a taekwondo uh, versus a judo versus a sambo versus a boxer versus a kickboxer, muay thai, karate kung It just you saw them wearing different uniforms and geese and things of that nature that depicted their uh, discipline. And you could grab these geese and use them against people and. All that kind of stuff. So that it was probably the closest ever, but was it still a true fight? Well, no, because there were still rules. Yeah, but it was the closest, closest civilized type of competition that you could come to a, a real fight. <laughs> That's you know, and lastly, one of the, one of the uh, best things uh, that I've I've heard you describe in in one of your many interviews was um, was how even going into it. Like you personally never saw it as dismantling somebody. You you saw it as as a competition that that you'd win, and that's always stuck with me, Dan. And I think that's why uh, you know you have this persona. My 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 standard line is: I am trying to find the nicest way possible to end the match 
in a not so nice competition. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally that's my standard line, and it, and it's you can do some really ugly things. There's, uh, did you guys have time for me just to regale one, one one kind of cool story? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, okay, this was. I, I had a promoter, and if I told you a story before, you just cut me off. It feels well because I, I, I don't, I kind of lose thought. Trying to talk to different interviews I do. Well, I had a promoter that contacted me, and again, this is a number of years back when, and uh, someone says, I, I'd like you to fight a gentleman by the name of Skip Hall. At the time, I, I had I, I met Skip on, on, on several occasions and uh, was even on a card with him. Skip Hall at was 63 years of age. And uh, I think I was 48 at the time. And uh, the folks said, I like it. I said, oh, I, I'll turn that fight down. And I said, why? I, said, well, I, I like I like Skip. I, I, I would never make a compete against him. I said, he's, he's a great guy and blah, blah, blah. Isn't that? Well, I mean, you know, the promoter calls me a couple times. I'm basically, they told a couple times. Well, then Skip himself calls me up. And, so, and he tells me that, you know, he had a conversation with the promoter and he told, told him what I, I had said and stuff like this. And uh, he goes, Danny goes, he said, I really would like to have a match against you. He says, it's just nothing, uh, it's nothing, you know, personal attendance. He goes, he goes, I just want to know that, you know, before I, 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 I step away from competition, that I, I stepped into uh, a ring, a cage, that was someone that I highly respect and stuff like this. Well, he basically, all I know is by the time he was done talking, I agreed. <laughs> and as I'm hanging up the fight, I'm excuse me, as I'm hanging up the phone, I just realize I'm in a no win situation right now. If I win, whoop the do down, I just beat a sixty three year old guy. But if I lose, I just lost to a sixty three year old guy. You know? <laughs> no win situation. So here it is it, it, it's fight night. We're 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 in, we're in this it was actually in a way. And I mean, he and Skip is all just gun going. He's ready to go, and then they start to play. And he's like blazing punches up, and I'm really, I'm backing up, backing up, and I'm, I'm just like blocking and parrying, blocking and parrying. I'm like, what do, what do? I just, I moved it quick. I, I clinched him. I clinched him, and literally, I, I clinched him. He's still he's banging me into the ring case of Ventus Cave. What to do? What to do? Then I'm like, I'm gonna sweep his feet, like I've done in some other match. I'm gonna sweep his feet and drop him down. But you know me, I would sweep their feet. And as they're going down, I become airborne because I want to land right on their rib cage. Hmm. <laughs> so I will I'll knock the wind out of them. I might crack a rib. I might break a rib. I don't care. It's called competition. And it's allowed. So I sweep his legs. He is big quick in there. And as they're going down, I almost like a professional. I said, I drop to my knees and I lay him down. <laughs> nice. And then... And I'm holding there, he's struggling. I'm like, okay, how is he from here? So that, oh, God. I raise my, I raise my fist up, and I sort of, I sort of slam down like I'm about to hit him in the face. He puts his hand up there to block it. I slide his arm across, and I do a nice, gentle, garfold choke. <laughs> match, he taps. Match is done. He sits up and looks right at me. Goes, he goes, Dan. He goes. That was the nicest beating I have ever received. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I go, yeah, like, shit, I love you, brother. I go, so I said, I, I, I said, I didn't want this match at all. But then, <laughs> then we went out to dinner, stuff like that later. But that was that was the whole gist of it. <laughs> That's an amazing, amazing story. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, 
Dan Severed, thank you once again for coming on the Nothing Important Podcast. Everybody out there, make sure to check out danseverin.com. Get his book, The Realest Guy in the Room. Dan, it's a pleasure, and I appreciate you coming back on, my friend. All right, thank you, Brian. You take care of Jeff, Brian, and Dave. All right. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. So that that was Dan Severn. Um, what I love about Dan is uh, he's like a teddy bear that could kill you, right? right. <laughs> like that's just yes. like I watched the guy, and um, like I said, I've, I've grown up watching him and such, and uh, just hearing him tell stories like the last one uh, with Scott Hall, I'm like it, it, it to me, it's amazing because everybody sees MMA and just fights in general. It's like oh, let's go crazy and beat the shit out of each other, and then here comes a guy that that's pretty much like. Well, you know, I guess I, I guess I could hurt you, but this would probably hurt a little less, and and that's good for you. So that's just what I'm gonna go with, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like a very, it's like a silent killer type thing. It's it's very methodical, and uh, you know, every yeah. every time he tells us a story, like you, you can't help but sit there and listen. Like, where's he going with this? And then he's just like, how he he tells you how he politely whoops somebody's ass. Right. <laughs> it's right. Just a. It's a separate it, type of sportsmanship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and, uh, you know, like I said, that's one thing that always stuck with me about, uh, Dan is he has the tools and the ability to really hurt people, but he honestly sees it as, uh, more of a competition than an opportunity to go out and hurt people. And I, I think that's incredibly commendable, especially in, uh, the combat sports and sports like Mm -hmm. MMA. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Jeff, Dave, uh, it's the middle of the day, so I guess we all got to hang up. I got to go back to work. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us again this week. We got another great guest next week and some great guests going forward. Uh, it's a pleasure talking with you guys once again, and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Yeah, always, man. All right, Dave. Yeah. Stop recording now. <laughs> 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 All right, try that again. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. We can stop recording. Wait. All right, ready? Here we go. Dave. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just cut the fucking recording. <laughs> Brian. Okay, well and we'll we'll end it there. But uh Brian. I, I was having the yeah. I'm gonna stop recording now. <laughs> Be sure to follow Nothing Important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter at NotImportantPC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing Important is recorded with help from Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome.